Welcome to season eight of a Vietnam podcast, sharing the stories of people connected to Vietnam. My name is Neil Mackay, and I've been living in Vietnam since 2016 and hosting this podcast since 2019. I wanted to know more about the people that are connected to Vietnam, both Vietnamese and foreigners in Vietnam or around the world, and share their story. My guest today says she is just another lesbian in town but she is actually the owner of Twist Coffee Bar in Taudin, the place for everyone, but also a safe space for LGBTQ+. A recent story in Vietnam ran with the headline, It's Not Working, Sex Education Makes Teachers and Students Squirm, followed up by another story about a parent finding her 12-year-old child had been watching pornography. So today with my guest, we're going to be discussing many things about Vietnam, but specifically, we're going to be talking about sex education here in Vietnam. So my guest today, thank you so much for joining me, is Phong Quê Trung. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. And then hello to everybody. I hope you have a good day. I mean, after this, you will have a better day, I hope. <laughs> well, so tell me more about Twist Cafe because it's a, a hopping spot I see frequently. I've tried your cocktails, which are delicious. So tell us more about that. How did that start and how's it going? So I last month it was six years of me having the the, the business, but the bar which is like roughly about two year and a half, three years because before it was a, a coffee shop and the first day it's actually we me and my ex partner which is running a tricycle on the street selling some coffee and then after the first year we moved into a space and then then since that moment on we'll always have space up to this day and yeah and 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 after that we have like a business breakup so i i now the the whole thing is mine so i just want to turn it into something more me more welcoming and and more LGBT friendly. And you and know, when you started that six years ago, did you say? Yeah. So now you know, Saigon is a very opening and open and welcoming place. In my opinion, I'd be interested to hear though if yours is different. But where you must have been really at the forefront of having a specifically LGBTQ plus friendly location. Yeah, I think. Well, actually, it just turned. It's just turned into a LGBT friendly bar about three years ago. Before I have like a um a French partner and he's quite traditional French business partner. So we focus in coffee and serving every customer. I'm still serving every customer, but I know that I wanna I wanna focus in serving my people for my community. So as I mentioned there yeah, and it, yeah and then six years ago I think there's a few, maybe a few, but very rare businesses that have the LGBT elements in it, to be mm. honest. So what, what did that mean then? What was the change from being traditional, as you said, to then being LGBTQ plus friendly? Like, how did that, what did that change mean for the business? How did that look like in real life? So I think it's a really big jump. At the beginning, it was just coffee. We're just selling coffee. 
And then after I have the business breakup, I don't want to do the same thing uh, like he we did before. So I want to like expand the business a little bit and have like a, a ranch, uh, a bigger space. And then I try to make it like as gay as I can and then as uh, charismatic as I can. So I put on paintings and flags. And making sure that I'm there every day that uh, people know that uh, it is owned by the gay owner. And it's, I think it's a big jump, you know, like the, the, the amount of customer change and people start to drink alcohol and I, I never know what like serving alcohol and then they have a bar and then you understand and then you become an alcoholic and then you have fun basically every day. You know, <laughs> I love my job. That's awesome. In that process, yeah. did you lose any customers? Were there any customers that were turned off and didn't come back? No, I don't think so. If they if they don't come back, I think it's because maybe I fucked up with the coffee one time, two times, or my staff being or something like that, or maybe they move out of the country, or it's just not their place at the beginning. I don't think uh, the fact that I turn it into more of a gay play will make me lose any customer i think it makes me gain more customer than lose customer yeah no i know i can see that from how busy it is every time i go by I and mean, it's good to know that you didn't have any kind of well obviously bigoted people but so my, that leads me into my next question because so i've been here six years and from what i can see and from what i've heard from other people but i, I you know i could be wrong is that Saigon, and i don't know about the rest of vietnam and i'm sure it's very different in the country but Saigon being a big busy cosmopolitan for Vietnam city. It's very welcoming of LGBTQ plus community. From, from one thing I've learned in the past, and I, I don't know if this is true though, that it's more that people almost turn a blind eye to it. So it's not that it's, there's not maybe so much open discrimination, but there's also not maybe as much acceptance of it as a thing if that makes sense someone told me this before it's just like maybe from more older traditional vietnamese they won't recognize that that you're gay or whatnot it's just that they're okay with it is that is that an accurate depiction or am i completely false there i think it's also depend on on who are we talking about like which generation are we talking about so if if we're talking about the older generation uh, for example my mom people in their 60 70 you know like really old home people maybe like 40 then it's going to be a little bit different the way they look at us you know but but i think for in general we got accepted way much more and 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 i came out very early i came out when i was 18 i think so I, and then it's been like 10 years I can, and I can see the, the progress of, of, of gay, gay person, like living in Saigon and, and also because I have a bar, so I know a lot of people, I see a lot of people every day at different age, different generation, uh, but mostly like people my age or a little bit younger, even my staff. They like in their 20, like they're 21, 22 now. They're super open about it. I mean, some of them still have the kind of like, oh my God, I can't turn gay. Oh my God, I was almost gay. And I was like, yeah, good for you. I mean, I think gayness turn you down, not you turn gayness down. Like, 
which is actually pretty nasty, I think, like very fucking sexist. That like that a, a bunch of like two or three guys just walking down the street. I was walking against their their uh, direction, and they're just like, oh. What is this boy or girl? Let's just go grab her book to see if it's a boy or a girl. And I was like, I was so pissed. But that was just like very rare, like 10 years of being gay. This is like the maximum I can get. And I don't think it's about, I don't think it's about like being gay. They're just being rude. If yeah. you see somebody being, you know, they just rude. It wouldn't, not, it wouldn't girl, matter who would, you are. They would just be rude no matter what girl, you look like. Like, they will have the same interest of like grabbing my book or something like that, right? So I, I think it's the, the the people you are around and the, at some like specific situation that you might feel sexism in Vietnam, but in general, big time, I think we're pretty chill. We're quite a very chill country that get intense sometimes, but we're pretty chill. Mostly. <laughs> No, I mean, in my opinion, looking at it, it's, that's a good uh, a good description. Vietnam is pretty chill, but very intense at other times and that you kind of see that play out quite often where things are just kind of going along nicely and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, it goes, it goes crazy. Um, yeah. But no, no, it's good. And it's even I've noticed recently, just very, very recently, more young people is especially... Coming, I, I guess, as tra uh, coming out as trans people, you know, I was in a shop recently and it was a guy dressed as a girl. I think I've seen girls dressed as guys. Not sure where they are on their gender journey or whatnot, but even that was a, just a, a year or two. Well, I guess we've been locked up almost for two years, but I mean, pre-pandemic and stuff, it wasn't something that I noticed very much. Is that something that's becoming more prominent in Vietnam as well as it becomes more prominent around the world? Mm, I think it's, well, so first of all, like people got locked up for a really long time. <laughs> and I remember the first day that I went out to district one with my girlfriend just to like have some lunch or something like that. And we would dress up so well, which is like, oh, I can't wait to like put on my beautiful yeah. clothes again. <laughs> Been no in your pajamas for months. Yeah, yeah, right. And then we just like dress up like so well, like model walking down the, the streets and, and like we got stuff from like a, a young um, journalist uh, group that said, oh, can we take the pictures of you? And, and uh, can you tell me like, is this like uncomfortable for you now to wearing such clothes? And I was like, what do you mean uncomfortable? Of course, if you compare to like the pajamas I wear in the last six months, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable. But without and out on the street, you know, we just want to show ourselves. Mm. I think after the COVID time, you know, people would just like pay more attention to themselves and trying to show what it's been hitting like all, all the time. Also because of COVID and also because of like, I mean, you survived a pandemic, you know, you're still alive, you know, why shouldn't you be? beautiful and unique to look at i think and then it's going to be like we keep rising it just will we just mm. keep rising vietnamese people don't have such like a crazy sexism towards gay people and wearing whatever you like will be appreciated by someone so i think it's going to be like 
Vietnam is going to be like a full-on uh, gay country, just like Thailand. Yeah, but less surgery. <laughs> well, we'll see where we go in, in 20 years' time, right? But so I mentioned that at the beginning, though, so we're talking about Saigon, which I've made this mistake about a thousand times on this podcast and in real life where I often say Vietnam, XYZ, talk about it. And then I realize I'm actually talking about Saigon because obviously Vietnam's a massive country, huge amount of ethnic, very diverse, almost different languages. So I, I always yeah. apply this label of Vietnam when I mean Saigon. So we have been, for once, I've specified Saigon. But so everything we've talked about, but how would that play out in the countryside, for example, or more rural regions like the Mekong Delta or, you know, would it be the same attitudes? Because I've heard stories as well about, obviously, and you, you maybe have as well, of people leaving these regions because they're not going to be accepted there. So they come to Saigon, the big city, which is, makes a lot of sense. So how, how are the general Vietnamese attitudes outside of Saigon towards the LGBTQ plus community? Um, I understand that. Well, I mean, Saigon is not the only place in Vietnam. And, and we also have like, the north and the central and the south, right? And I mean, I I think it's also it also depends on how people react to new things. And because like we are in Saigon, like the first new thing it will be like what we we get to know about first, and 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 we see it every day. So it's very easily and quickly become not a new thing anymore. But people in the rural area, like uh, in the Ming Tai, you know, in in the the the, the west, Ming Tai is like the west, right? Yeah, the, the the west of of Vietnam, of the south, and also like in the middle, even like in Hanoi or you know Hanoi, it's like super traditional city. It will be LGBT, and the and the gay people will be looked different for sure because other people. They, they haven't seen much of us. The gay, the, the gay people are not, it's not that they, there are not many there, but they are more hidden. Also because it's strange to them, it's new to them, to the gay person themselves. And obviously it's new to everybody around in that rural area. So the, the, the way that we are being accepted is a little bit less, but I don't think that will be it will be way much less and way too much more intense. You know, people in the rural area, they're usually like more naive and like less aggressive, tied up, you know? Yeah. We are the one who, in the, in Saigon, we are, we are the one who have more experience and we like, actually, if it comes to aggressiveness and, and uh, intensity, you know, we are the best. People I love that way I love that way of looking at it. It's not uh, because, I mean, you know what it's like in the in the U.S., the more rural you go, I think I, I would be, people might think I'm an idiot for saying this, but the more rural you go, the opinions become more conservative. I was going to say the IQs get lower, but that might be a bit harsh. Maybe the IQs don't get lower, but the more rural you go in, in places like the States or Australia, the more conservative people come. But I like your, your, the way you put that. It's not really that people in Vietnam are necessarily more conservative. It's just they've not experienced it before. So it's it's just, uh, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. So before we quickly move on to talk about another subject, quickly give us your top 
LGBTQ plus bars and venues to visit apart from Twist Cafe in Saigon. Go. It's a unicorn clothes, right? I would, I would highly uh, recommend try coffee and chocolate. Uh, but I think it's also like dry bar or something like that on Jonghyun Dao, owned by Derek. A yep. very, very gay guy. And he also married to a very, very weird, bizarre, and unique Vietnamese boy. His name is Quan. Uh, so, yeah, they married and they opened like a, a bar on yeah, Jung with... Dao Street. But I haven't, I haven't been there yet. I want to. I just don't have the time to. Yeah. And also it's like betraying if I go to another gay bar. Betraying your own bar. <laughs> that's how I feel. No, he Derek used to I own perfect. Derek used to own whiskey in Wales, right? Yes, yes, yes. That that's Derek. So I would highly recommend like if you looking for a gay place to go, you should go to Derek. And he's like one of the coolest person I have known in Saigon. I've not met him, but yeah, I've heard good things. I have a funny story about that. When my wife and I first arrived in Saigon, like like literally six years ago, we were looking for a bar to go to one night and we lived near Boy Vienne at the time. So we were around that area and we found this bar, I guess on Google Maps or whatnot, called Whiskey in Wales. And, you know, we like a whiskey as well. So we're like, oh, let's go check out this bar. So we went, cool place. And we're just talking, it's just me and my wife. And then she's much more observant than I am. And she she's like, Neil, I think this is a gay bar. I was like, what? Nah, didn't know paying no attention. And then she's like, look, it's all really good looking guys, either on their own or with another guy. They're all really like just good looking gay guys. And I looked around the room and I was like, oh, maybe it is. Yeah. She's like, I'm the only female here. And then so we Googled it and the first website that came up was like, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a really famous website that told you gay bars around like kind of Southeast Asia, like to to give safe spaces for, to give safe spaces for people traveling who are LGBTQ plus to visit. And like the number one was Whiskey in Wales. And they just kept going on about how handsome the owner Derek was and how amazing it was and so we're like yeah we are i mean so we had no problem with it obviously we were just like oh yeah we've uh inadvertently walked into uh one of the most popular gay bars in saigon and it's amazing oh, drink. That's cool. yeah <laughs> so, um, unfortunately oh, i think it's closed now yeah i think it has but no. keep yeah but then that he opened a new uh pride cafe bar so that's where i will go maybe probably next week awesome well let's move on to what we what i mentioned in the beginning the most awkward topic in the world to talk about whether you're an adult a teenager well a teacher sex education so i mentioned in the beginning so just last week some headlines have come up it's been a topic that's been i've read about it several times in in vietnam the headline that came up came out just last week was it's not working sex sex education makes teachers and students squirm and saying the teachers weren't comfortable with it and the students weren't comfortable with it. So obviously I have no experience of sex education in Vietnam. I I barely had sex education when we were growing up. I mean, we had it in high school, but I mean, I don't, it's not, it was like putting condom on a banana or something like that. I don't remember it being in any great detail or, or of any use. 
<laughs> but what, so first of all, I guess, first question is what for you growing up, what was sex education? If it, if it existed at all? I think that the first official sex education I had was when I was, was when I was, I think 14 at school and they, they, they gather like all of the students of ninth grade coming to like the school hall and have one, one, one woman, one teacher woman talking about like, okay, so the sex is the uh, intercourse between men and women and using your secret part to put in your other secret part. And I was like, oh my God. The fun fact is that I know about porn and a full on porn watcher since I was eight. Just because I have, I have a brother that's six years older than me and he always bring porn home. And he doesn't know how to hide it in our computer. So I just like turn it on and well, watch it. Not really understand much of it. But I, 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 but then I find that it's like a sexual action. And I think it affects me until now that I just becoming a sexual person, which I like. No complaint. <laughs> I love it. Love that I'm a sexual person. And, but I also find that because I have those experience from very young age, all by myself, you know, that I learned about things like that when I was eight, I think that helped me a little bit of fighting myself and like protecting myself, you know, like when you, when, when, when you were eight, you, you watch porn and then you realize that you like the woman more than the man. Mm. So that is how I think that it helps a little bit with my, uh, uh, sexuality path also like i know that also so those are those are the parts that you are not allowed to let anybody touch it you know and like and when you are grow up enough then you can do it and there's a way to do it like many many different ways to, to intercourse and um there's like uh, and you can see like there's a protection, you know, in the middle. I would then say that you should do that to your kids and turn porno for them when they was eight. But maybe just a straightforward conversation and maybe like a little bit of a demonstration on video good enough for them. Plus, like in this time, in this time of internet, you can't stop them from reaching to whatever they want to look for, you know. And each, but the the point of sex education is not to pre prevent them to have sex, but to make sure that if they have sex, it's safe for them. Yeah, and that I must, think. and it must be intriguing, right? Because you so you like in in your case, and then even in the cases I've read about online, if the teachers are then teaching them sex ed at 14 but they've maybe been accessing that kind of material online since they were 8, 9, 10, 12 it almost seems a bit redundant mm. then doesn't it to then be trying to teach them about stuff that they've been watching for years and, or whatnot I don't know what the solution is to it yeah I I don't know I mean we're thinking of like having kids and I think it's different for if you teach education for a boy and it's different if you teach the education for the girl to have sex education with like 
bulls and goats are different. Obviously, that both of them need to know how to protect themselves, but also they need to like their position in the sex relationship, like a sexual relationship. Like, okay, so I'm a boy, like, what should I do? And like, okay, I'm a girl, what should I do? So we can both protect ourselves. Mm. And uh, I don't, I, I really don't have any to like how you should do it. Because the way I learn it, you cannot learn it from, from that way. Yeah. It's yeah. not the, 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 I think it's not the most ideal way to learn about sex. But, but I'm happy because I have that education. I have that sex education from young age. And I know that from that moment on, I have less of a risk to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Then, like a person who knows nothing about sex, which I have met a few, but they also find it just they just really late having sex in life. So, in this article, it talks about the teachers being uncomfortable with it. Should teachers be uncomfortable teaching this stuff, or is it? Do you think it's just the material they are teaching is wrong and makes it uncomfortable? I think they they like like they 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 feel uncomfortable because they think it's weird when you talk to someone so young and and about something that has been last forever in the humankind <laughs> you know or like the nature it's just a normal thing it's it's hard to start the story with and it's how ha- it's hard to pass the desire to feel sense, oh, I really like sex. You guys should like sex too, you know. And this is how I do this. Of course, it's not going to go that fucking way. But but that there's like, oh, sex is a new thing, you know. It's, it's just like the way that they they just feel uncomfortable because they make it weird to themselves, mm. to themselves, not to the student. The student is the, let's say they at like a white blank space. Or not. Actually, they probably know enough already. So you just need to jump in and confirm if those information are right or wrong. Thanks to your experience yeah. of being a teacher and being like grown, you know. Just don't be weird about it. Like you make a joke. <laughs> and sometimes you make a joke. Right? We'll have some clones, and clone then sex educators. It and then it's not funny. It's just, it's just yeah, such it's, a difficult... Don't be weird about it. It's such a difficult topic, right? Because, you know, it's awkward for parents, awkward for the students, awkward for the teachers. And and I, it's funny the point yeah. you make. It's not like, hey, I love having sex. This is how I do it. You should try this. Like, it's, I mean, if I remember my sex education, it's just literally like, okay, this is how you do this. There's nothing about, like, the desires or the wants or, like, the feelings or or how to do it yeah. or anything like that. It's all just like, okay, yeah, this goes in here and then don't let that stuff come out because then she's going to have a baby. And then like, it's just very like, so <laughs> sex is like the best thing in the world, but it makes it out to be like just this robotic kind yeah, of like, like. Actually, like sometimes like the, the adults make sex into like something so sinful, something so, so taboo, you know? Well, and, that's... and like, you have to be honest to yourself that you personally and me also love sex. You know, we would die if we don't have sex for like a week or two, you know. Would you know? So why did he make it weird? 
make have them try it themselves, but like just tell them like, oh, before you try it, you should know about this, and that's it. You know, everybody know. I mean, like the kids, they have like their IQ, their brain is basically like fully function. They yeah. know how to do puzzle. Uh, which piece will into which piece you don't have to teach them like hey you have to put a and b they already know that a have to go to b but they don't know about like you know so <laughs> what we're trying to teach them is to teach them to see the see the not getting pregnant thing or getting well pregnancy is not as scary i think also like i think now it's like std is more scary to me yeah, maybe. Well, an STD can be for life. I guess a kid can be for 18 years and then you can send them on their way. No, you made a good point there, which I just always forget, right? You said about it being sinful. And as we're talking there, so I'm not religious, never have been. Religion has really almost played no part in my life. So I just forget about it. And you've just met them when you mentioned it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why it's weird because there's so many religious people in this world We've made sex this weird, awkward thing that we can't talk about and it's taboo and it's like, it's just, yeah. I forget about that, that religion actually has the, the most, probably the biggest effect on all of this, especially from the Western world. I, how, how would you say, because we have, you have a big Catholic population here, right? Christian population, sorry, but mostly Buddhist in Vietnam, right? How has that, how, mm. has, the religious, how has the religious aspect had an element on sexual discourse in Vietnam? Mm, I think it's for Vietnamese, it's not really re religions related to sex, to be honest, but because of Buddhism, we believe in, in karma. So what we believe the most is karma. If you do good thing, good thing happens to you. Mm. And if you do bad thing, bad things happen to you. So we just based on that one thing, one rules, one biggest rule to decide what we should do to our partner. Like, oh, you, we better treat our partner nice. And if you treat them bad, you know, like bad things will happen to you. I think so. And also like you, you cannot really have like a, a, an abortion, you know, because like now it's like a really bad thing will happen to you. You know, you take away like somebody's lives. So that is what like freak. I think like freak the, the, the pregnant table intercourse the most. Like for me, I never have to worry about it. No matter how hard I try, I cannot make her pregnant. But like also because of that, they afraid to have sex. Because if, if, if you're pregnant, you cannot have an abortion and you have to like keep the baby for 18 years. Or even more, you know. But I don't, I don't think that like religions is something that that stop us from having sex. Mm. Really, I think religion in Western countries has a, a lot to answer for on that. But so enough about sex, ed sex education in Vietnam. Let's move on to the final questions of the podcast. We ask these at the end of every episode. They change every season. So these are the questions for season. Eight. So if you could travel anywhere in Vietnam for a week, where would you go and why? One week, right? Yeah, you have to stay there for a week. Uh, I will go to, I think I'll choose Hazem. Yeah, 
Because like, first of all, I haven't been there and I know that it's have like beautiful sightseeing yeah. and I love riding a motorbike up the mountain. So I think it has all of the elements that I like and usually it's pretty cold. So the food, when, when it's cold, when you eat, it's just better food, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So I've done it and it is just, it's. The phrase, you know, like words cannot describe it, is made for this place. It, it's so stunningly beautiful. There's nothing I can say. I don't know the vocabulary to describe how unbelievable it is. That's how unbelievable it is. So, yeah, you should absolutely go there. And you're, and you're right, like, you don't have a cafe suada when you're there. You have a cafe sua norm because you've got to have a hot coffee when you're up in the cold mountains. It's yeah. so good. I would definitely recommend that for sure. Now we got tourists coming back to Vietnam. Some of them are back already. I don't know if you've met any yet. I thought I saw two people today. I didn't recognize them. You feel like you recognize everyone in Vietnam because we've all been stuck here for two years and I got my cum tam for lunch. And the reason I think there was a tourist is I've never seen anyone eat cum tam so awkwardly. This older <laughs> white guy who's holding the plate with one hand and then like off the table and then kind of like eating it it was just weird I was looking at him and his wife and I was like <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're tourists this is so exciting but that's the weirdest the weirdest way I've ever seen anyone eat come <laughs> so I was like he's no way he's a, a like a local expat oh but so what advice would you give to any tourists coming back to Vietnam not too much advice just live your life no longer when you survive a fucking pandemic you should now you just should live and enjoy every moment passing by. And I think Vietnam is a very enjoyable country. Oh, very sure. enjoyable. It's so Meet people, exciting. talk to them, don't forget to smile. Yeah, and don't forget to, to have every moment of your life worth it. That's it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, after these two years, that is a great advice. Now, what advice would you give to someone thinking about moving to Vietnam? I don't know. I never really moved to any. I never think of I will move to another country. So I don't know what advice to give. But if you, if I can give like an advice, it's like you know, people are very friendly, and they and we, we we give you what we take. So if you smile to us, we we'll smile to you. If you be nice to work, we'll be nice to you. And that's the and that's the, the the point. You know, just be nice to people. Don't be an asshole. That's it. Good advice for life in general, but also for moving to Vietnam. Don't be an asshole. That's definitely, definitely good. Now this one is it can be a contentious question. For you, what do you think is the difference between an expat and an immigrant? So I think the uh, the biggest uh, difference between expat and immigrant are the purpose. So an expat, the purpose is to come to a country and work and be there for a while until the next destination is shown in their map. The in intentions of immigrant is that only choose a country to live there, to be there, and to find a work, a job there, and stay there. So immigrant, I guess, is like some a, a 
uh, the types of people that more likely become our people. An expat will always be expat. You leave. Yeah. Like it's a wife and a girlfriend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're an expat, it's like being a girlfriend. And if it's an immigrant, it's like being a wife. That is a great way to put it. I yeah. like that. <laughs> now, this is my favorite question I've ever asked on this podcast. If Vietnam was a person, how would you describe them? If Vietnam was a person, I'm pretty sure it's a she. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Yeah, yeah she. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I'm sure it's a she, and she's quite spicy, but she's also like super open-minded. She's like very outgoing, and she's probably going to be like a stoner that she know like when she needs to chill out. She put a joy in her mouth and she chills. Awesome. You know, really everyone that's been on this season so far has said it's definitely Vietnam would be a she. So it's obviously a very, but it, because Vietnam is the very matriarchal, right? Like the women rule the roost. Vietnamese women are so strong. They're so powerful. Um, so I definitely can see that. And you're the second person to say it would be Vietnam would be a spicy person as well. So yeah, awesome. <laughs> as you start to like conjure up this image in your head of like what what of what that person would look like if Vietnam was a country, it's awesome. Well, Fung, thank you so so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Can you please tell anyone listening more about Twist Cafe? We didn't even say the address. Where can they find you? Tell them more about your amazing cocktails. I need to come back in soon for another cocktail. Tell the people where to find it. Go. All right. So Twist Cafe is at 88 Song Tui, Housing District 2. And the reason why you have to come there because it's fun, it's charismatic, just like me, and it has nice owner, nice staff, nice drink. And the drink that I recommend you try is vegan white Russian. It's great. It's, it's vegan. So it's good it's for delicious. everybody, and it can also make you drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? What's a vegan white Russian almond milk? So usually, like the white white Russian, it's gonna have cream in it, right? So we didn't put cream in it. We put coconut cream, coconut milk in it, and I just pimp it up a little bit. And coconut milk is actually go really well with the kalua, with the coffee in the cocktail. That's great. It's something you should order. All right, well, Fung, I got something to do right now, but once I'm finished, I'm going to hopefully stop by Twist Cafe this afternoon and have that coffee. I'll hopefully see you soon. All right, thank you so much, Fung, and I will see you you. soon. Cheers. All right, thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of a Vietnam podcast by 7 Million Bites. We hope you enjoy hearing our guest stories. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much to Lewis Wright, who made the 7 Million Bikes music and continues to support us in every way. Also to our audio engineer, Luke Digweed, for making sure each episode sounds amazing for you. Also, a big thanks to the 7 Million Bikes community. 
Thank you so much. It's amazing to get to know you guys. It's amazing to see how much we're growing. And I look forward to seeing you at our next event. You can join the community today. The link is in the description of the show. You'll get free tickets to 7 Million Bikes events, episodes before anyone else, and extra special bonus content only for you, and invites to special member-only events. You will also obviously be providing massive support so that we can keep sharing people's stories with you on a Vietnam podcast. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And remember, we have seven seasons of stories to share with you. So check them out if you haven't already, and we hope you can listen to future episodes too so you can laugh, connect, and discover. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.